We are in Ephesians 3, 11 through 13, a short passage that packs a lot in it. In verses 11 through 13, we read these words, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Verse 11 talks about God's eternal purpose in Christ. Verse 12, the bold access we have through Christ, the key, as it were, the garage door opener, the garage of heaven that gets us in. And then verse 13, he's going to make application to the shining courage in affliction. Uh, Whatever happens in this life, uh, we know God has a purpose and a plan. So let's first talk about this eternal purpose in Christ. In verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when I'm looking at a passage like this, I'm going... This was according. The question I'm going to ask, I mean, what do we mean by this? What does that mean? I mean, that, that's a question. What is the this? And so that was the first question I wanted to, to answer when I'm looking at this passage because, you know, it's been a while. It's been a, a week or so since we were in this passage. I'm going like, so what's the this? What does the this refer to? And so I say, okay. I get out my interlinear Greek text, and I'm going like, where's the this? And you know what I discovered? What I discovered is that this verse 11, actually, if I were, if I were looking at the language just as it is, that this is not here, I'm going to tell you why. It's not that the translators were, were you know, playing games with us. I'll tell you why in just a moment. But the verse actually starts right here with according, okay? Now, the reason they did that was this. Um, You know, English, in today's English, we like short sentences. We want it to be concise, to the point. But the sentence that Paul wrote was a long, long, long sentence. Kind of like if you've read any, like, 19th century Uh, English writing or German writing, you'll have half pages of sentences. Um, Well, Paul, when he wrote this, wrote a really long sentence that actually begins all the way back in verse 8, and it goes like this. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might, be now, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Now, if you were writing this for an English theme, I guarantee you, you'd see lots of red lines and saying you need to shorten this, okay? So, 
what our English translators did was actually shorten the sentence, break it up into more than one sentence just to shorten it. Uh, so when you go from one language to another, you, you, you shift sometimes how, how you're going to say it so that it works for the people that are receiving it in that language. But when we're trying to figure out what's going on here, it helps me to know that the sentence is just continuing, that what he's talked about before is according to the eternal purpose that he's realizing Christ Jesus our Lord. So the according to is talking about the whole salvation plan of God in Christ, including making it known through Paul to everyone, Jews and Gentiles. Remember, that was the mystery. It was once hidden, now has been revealed, so that God's wisdom would be displayed even to the angels. Okay? So, so the picture here is that, that all of this that God has done, making this known, using Paul, revealing the mystery, shining it out to the angels themselves. All this was according to God's purposeful design through the ages or of the ages to bring salvation through Christ to humanity. So this is a long sentence, but, it, but it's shorter than human history. And what he's saying is that all this human history is, is, is happening according to plan. It's happening according to God's design. The things that maybe we scratch our heads about, the things that were not known that now are being made known, the revealing of Jesus Christ, the expansion of the gospel to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. All of this was according to God's plan. And that this displaying the gospel even to the angelic beings, the hierarchies of angels, this was all according to God's plan. Um, for us to look at history this way really helps us get a grip on, on what's important and what's not. This epic of what God has done in bringing salvation to us through Christ is not just the main story of the Bible. It's the main story of all history. Now, if, if you let that sink in just a little bit, it starts to put some things in perspective. It, it's important for us and we, talk about, we talked about this when we, we, when we were looking at biblical worldview, the creation, fall, redemption, the big story, the gospel, Jesus, the hero of the story. The story that the Bible gives is from eternity past to eternity future. You have human history uh, here in the middle, and you have your personal history in the middle of that human history. The significant thing that is happening in your personal history, in human history, in, in the epic history, eternity past, eternity future, the big thing happening is the gospel that God has designed to call out a people for his name. That, that's the coolest thing happening. So we see wars and rumors of wars. We see economic downturns and economic upturns. We see migrations of people. We see all kinds of things like that. But that is all part of this bigger story. And as I come down into my own personal life, all the ups and downs, all the, the difficulties, all the successes, uh, all the opportunities, all the closed doors, that is also part of this grand design, God's purposeful design for human history. And so this, according to the eternal purpose, 
that he's realizing Christ Jesus, our Lord, is the way that I want to view my life. It's the way you need to view your life. Whether you're a kid or whether you're an old person or you're somewhere in between, your life is part of God's purposeful design focused on this gospel, this good news of Christ Jesus. And the, the more I can view life that way, the more I can bring the gospel and my walk with God to bear on the things that happen in my daily life. Whatever happens at the office, whatever my health needs are, um, whatever happens with my, my income levels, all that kind of thing, I'm going to look at it as related to this grand redemption story. Verse 12, he refers to Jesus Christ, our Lord, and then it's in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So this is what we talked about and not just for kids. So we see these, these three words We have boldness, we have access, we have confidence. And really, all of those three are, get, are getting at an idea of, of Christ being the key, Christ being the door to the blessings that are, that are part of our salvation. The word boldness is a word that's often used, we, we saw it this morning in our text, a word that's often used for the apostles when they were under the power of the Spirit, their freedom of speech in terms of sharing the gospel. And so you have this free speaking, but it, it's also a free access. It's also um, the idea of, of being free and unrestricted access to God, um, frankness, fearlessness, we're not worried about um, there being rejection as we come to God. We're not worried about there being harm to us as we come to God. Our God's a consuming fire. He's the judge of all the earth. How can I, a sinner, actually approach him? Well, Christ has given me that access. Now, it's important for us remember to whom Paul is writing. He's writing to people that live in Ephesus. He's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to ethnicities that are not Jewish. And you recall back in Ephesians 2.12, he, he has called them to remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That's the body politic of Israel. The, you were strangers to the covenants of promise. All those, all those promises that God made in his relationship to his people having no hope and without God in the world. That, that's our natural state. Jesus has given us access. Okay? We, we had no more right to hope. We had no more right to God or the covenants of promise or being part of the, the people of, of Israel or being connected to the Messiah. We had no right to enter in but for what Christ has done. He has granted us access. And so we, we come in with boldness and we come in with confidence. We're not afraid to approach God. I mean, think about it. If, if God, God's infinite, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's holy, you know, if you have a proper appreciation for God, you ought to be afraid to come into his presence. If there were not 
the gospel, if if there were not an opening, if there were not a mediator for you, if Christ hadn't given you access. It's like, you know, going to meet somebody who's really important. You don't just go knocking on their door. You you need somebody who knows them that's going to introduce you for you to actually get in. And that is what Jesus Christ has done for us. This ultimate freedom is found only in Christ, but it's found by everyone who is actually relying on Christ. It's not just an elite priestly class. It's not just Jews. It it is Gentiles as well because Christ is now our high priest. Christ is the one who opens the way for every single person that's actually trusting in him and what he's done for us. So we have access through him. In fact, we, we studied about this in our study in Hebrews, about the boldness we have to actually come to God with our needs. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know what difficulties you're facing right now. I don't know what struggles you're facing. I don't know what challenges are ahead of you. But I know this, that because of Jesus, he has given you free access to come boldly to God to ask his help and his direction so that that your path is cleared. It reminds me of the passage... In uh, Proverbs 3, 5 5 and 6, where we trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We don't lean to our own understanding. In all our ways, we know him, acknowledge him, know him, and he shall make your way straight. He shall direct your path. He'll make a way where there's not one. It's a road-building term. It's like there's a big forest in the way, or there's a mountain in the way, or there's a valley in the way. He fills up the valley, he brings down the mountain, he clears the forest to make a road where there wasn't a road before. This is the God that you and I have access to. And, you know, I think, I think our tendency is not to be too bold. I, I, I don't think we suffer from being too bold to ask God to direct. I think we suffer from not coming to him enough. So, so what if you were to start every day with God, lead me through this day? God, you, you make a path where there isn't one. Um, what if we were to be coming to God with problems that are too big for us to handle? What if we were always coming to him to find grace, what we don't deserve, favor we don't deserve, to help in time of need? We have bold access through Christ. And the, the value of that, I mean, what, what would you think if I, I've got my garage door opener, I've got my, my key fob for my car, I've got my keys to my office, what would you think if I never opened the garage door? What would you think if I never, you know, said, well, yeah, I've got the car out there and I've got the keys, but I'm walking home. Um, you know, what do you think is out, you know, the, the guys come by the office and I'm out in the hall working on my stuff, you know, got my laptop there and said, yeah, I'm not using the office today. Why not? It's, it's there for you to use. This access is for you to use. 
No, and it, you know, think about it. If, if you belong to Jesus, if you're trusting in Jesus, and then you can be five years old and you can ask the God of heaven and earth to help you with your day. You, you, it, you know, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, you, you can trust in God for this kind of boldness and access. And, and this is what the Gentiles are in, enjoying now. This is what Paul gave his life to, to say, look, you have access to through Christ. So I said, well, you know, what, what really then, you know, what, what's the so what of it? And Paul gives us the answer to that. You know, all this, like this doctrine, this like high stuff, like theological, heavy stuff. And you're going like, okay, so, okay. Well, here's the so. So, verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So, key, key words here. We want to know what, what does lose heart mean. We know what it means in English. You know, you get discouraged. Um, that, I would think that would be the main thing. Like you give up. Okay? We'll, we'll come and expand that a little bit. Um, over what I'm suffering for you. So that raises the question, what is Paul suffering for them? What's he talking about? And then this amazing statement, which is your glory. I mean, that is like, wait a minute. Glory is something I associate with God, not with people. So what's going on there? And we want to answer those questions. So um, I'm calling this shining courage in affliction, and, and here's why. These truths about God's plan and purpose and salvation for us through Christ help us put what Paul is suffering into perspective, and we're going to talk about what he's been suffering. So he says, don't lose heart. It literally means don't give in to evil. So there's bad stuff happening. Don't, don't let it take you down. Don't, don't don't let it make you give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't let it make you a coward. Don't grow weary. In other words, these hard things are happening, but, but you're not going to give in to that pressure. And, and the reality is you could, you know, while sometimes life goes pretty smoothly, there's plenty of days where there's enough bad stuff that happens that it could be easy to give in to it. To lose heart, like what's the worth? What's what's you know what what's the worth of it? Why you know why is this happening? Um, how how can I keep going? I'm you know to be discouraged, to be afraid, to take risk that God wants you to take. Now, what is it that He is suffering? And and the word suffering is actually the word that that is can be translated affliction. Sometimes it's translated uh, tribulation. That has the idea of pressure. So, so think of suffering where the whole world is weighing on you. You've got this pressure on you, the kind of thing that makes your, your head hurt and, and your shoulders droop, like you've got so much pressure on you. And this is a word that's used for sometimes the affliction that comes uh, through those that hate Jesus. And so, the, uh, but, but it's often used for any kind of suffering. It's used for the great tribulation when they're suffering like the world has never seen. This kind of pressure 
and affliction. And the fact that it has that kind of range, it means this can be a little bit of pressure or it can be a lot. Okay? And so Paul is suffering. Well, well, what is Paul suffering? Well, at the moment, this is, this is one of Ephesians is one of what we call the prison epistles. It's a letter that Paul, among others, uh, a letter that Paul wrote from house arrest in Rome. Now, house arrest in Rome doesn't sound like a bad thing, but how many of you would like to be confined to a particular house in, in the community and you couldn't leave it and actually you're chained to another person? Like you're, you don't have freedom anymore. You're under arrest and you're awaiting trial. And the question is, how did he get there? How did he get there? So we're going to go back in history. Paul was returning with, with monetary gifts, with, with money and help from Gentile churches to help believers that were suffering in Jerusalem during a time of famine. It was a way of the churches of the ethnicity saying to the churches uh, that had Jews in it, thank you for getting the gospel to us. So Paul, remember some of the passages where he talks about collecting this offering, 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9, talk about giving uh, toward this offering. And while he's there in Jerusalem, um, he, he goes into the temple precincts, he's made a vow, and he's attacked by an angry mob that is stirred up by Jews that were from Asia where he had carried out his missionary trips, and, and they charged that Paul was an enemy of Moses and an enemy of the temple, and that he had actually brought a Gentile into the part that was restricted only for Jews. Now, he hadn't done that. He hadn't done that. But, but they just assumed, because they had seen this Trophimus with them earlier, they assumed that he had brought him into the part he wasn't supposed to go into. And, and that just... What really bugged them is not just that violation, but that he would take the gospel to the ethnicities at all. It was a Jewish Messiah. Never mind that Isaiah said that in him the Gentiles would trust. Um, but, but they were angry. They felt like Paul was making, making the good news common by taking it to the ethnicities instead of just to the Jews. They knew he had brought the good news of Messiah to the Gentiles, and it made them angry. And this mob attacks him, and it nearly kills him. So talk about suffering. Think about, you know, you're just doing your business, worshiping the Lord. I mean, think about coming to church on Sunday, and, and somebody who's really angry, a group of people really angry at you, start shouting, and they all get around you, and they start beating you to a pulp. That would not be a good Sunday, Okay. That, that would not be what we were looking forward to. Well, the, the Roman tribune sends his soldiers in, and they rescue him. He gets to talk, talk to the group, but, but then he, he's held uh, in jail, awaiting uh, how they're going to handle the case. While he's there, there, there's an assassination plot that's hatched, where they're going to try to get him while he's being moved from one place to another. They're going to try to assassinate him. Well, it becomes known. So in the middle of the night, they send him to Caesarea with all this armed guard. And Caesarea's on the coast, um, but he's in prison, and he has a number of times to, to share the gospel, but he sits there for two years. 
I mean, not 38 hours or 48 hours, not a week or two, not a month or two, two years incarcerated. Not because he was guilty of anything. They, they never did present any proof, but because the officials there wanted a bribe, and he wasn't going to bribe them. And, so, and they also wanted to ingratiate themselves to the ones that had accused him. So, because of politics, he rots there in prison. Finally, he makes appeal to go to Caesar as a Roman citizen. And, and so, he ends up, they say, okay, to Caesar you'll go. You have that right. That's the only way he can break the logjam. And so, he, he ends up taking a ship. They... they they decide against better judgment to try to take the voyage later than they should. And they end up with a storm that lasts some two weeks. The ship runs aground. It's broken up in the water. So he suffers shipwreck. After he suffers shipwreck and they're gathering wood, he gets snake bit. Doesn't die from it. This is the island of Malta. So think of it now. He's been mobbed. He's been falsely accused. He's rotted in jail for two years. He's, he's taken this voyage with a bunch of prisoners, and, and in fact, at some point, they, they talk about killing all the prisoners before the, when the ship was, was going to go down because they were afraid they'd get away, and, and God spared them that. He, he gets shipwrecked. He gets snake bit. And by the way, he evangelizes the island of Malta while he's there. In World War II, there are still believers there. And finally, he gets to Rome. I mean, you talk, I mean it's, it, it makes for a great saga if you're Indiana Jones. But, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't, it was difficult stuff. It was suffering. He said, well, why was he suffering this? Why was it that he would, suffered all this? It all, he was suffering all this because he had the audacity to take the gospel to Gentiles like the people he's writing in the letter to the church at Ephesus. So, so his suffering was connected to their hearing the gospel. And so that, that raises the question, all this suffering, was it worth it? And Paul says, yes, it was worth it. It was for you. It is your glory. This is how much you mean to me. This is how much you mean to God. It would be worth it to go through all of this to get the gospel to you. And so you're not losing heart. You're not being discouraged. You're not caving in. Shines out the glory of the gospel. Because my suffering is so that you could receive the gospel. And, and that shines out the glory of the gospel. And you're not losing heart. That shines out the glory of the gospel. I mean, what do you do with people that you put them in prison and, and they still sing praise to God? What do you do with people that that are, are facing fearful circumstances, but they have courage. What do you do with people that, that whatever happens, they know that God is working on his plan, and so they don't cave. They don't give in to the evil. They, they don't lose courage. They don't lose heart. They just keep going. That's glory. That's shining splendor. That shows the glory of God at work in you. This is your glory. Whatever we go through, if it is in some way connected to the gospel 
of Christ. It shines out the splendor of what God has done for us in Christ. And, and the reality is that, you know, when you're born again, you're a believer all the time. From, from the moment of your conversion to for the rest of eternity, you belong to Jesus. That, that means that whatever is happening is, is, is part of God's design and purpose. We are part of redemption history, and our journeys shine out the greatness and love of God. His power made perfect in weaknesses. His promise so valuable that it makes our present suffering not worthy to be compared to the glory that he's going to reveal in us. It's not that we're exalting ourselves. It's that because of Jesus, we've been given an exalted status. We've been given an exalted future. We've been given, we call it, what, the last stage of, sanctific- of our salvation is called what? Glorification. You have, you know, conversion, you have sanctification, that process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Then you have glorification, when you're finally there, when you're finally deathless and sinless, and, and you're in the new heaven and a new earth. The glory of God shines in his people. It shines in his people. He's already said this, right? He said, even the angels will see the manifold wisdom of God through the church. You are the glory of God. As you live in line with the gospel and the the Spirit of God moves you to keep courage and keep on track and to keep following Jesus and keep trusting Him no matter what. This is all because of God's eternal purpose in Christ and the bold access we have through Christ so that whatever happens, we can show shining courage in affliction. I don't know what this week is going to hold. I don't know what this year is going to hold. I don't know what the next 10 years look like. I have no idea. But I know this. If you belong to Jesus, if you're a recipient of the gospel, if, you, if, if God's life is in you, then whatever happens will be opportunity for the gospel of God to shine through you. So let it shine. Let it shine. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace to us in Christ Jesus. And God, help us as we, as we slog through the weeds of life not to learn, not, not to forget the journey that we're on, not to forget the reason we're taking the journey, not to forget who is with us, not to forget the access we have to the Father. And God, may our lives shine, whatever you call us to endure. May we shine out the glory of Jesus Christ and not lose heart. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.